Well, today, again, we have a very special guest. We have Todd Wilson, the family man, and Todd's been here several times. And one of the things about Todd is that Todd travels with his family around the country in an RV, and they speak at conferences and conventions and at churches like this, uh, speaking on family and encouraging those of us as, as parents, those of us in marriage. And Todd's ministry has always been so encouraging to, to Cheryl and I. You know, we as a uh, we, we so want to get marriage and parenting, parenting right. And it's been a 20-year journey. And we're always learning all the time. So every time Todd speaks, it's just something that, that we find so encouraging. A few years ago, when Todd came and shared, he was talking, and something that so impacted Cheryl and I, and he, if you were here for that, you'll remember that he said, you know, in, in life, a lot of the things that um, are good aren't easy. Uh, some of the things that are good are very hard. Sometimes some of the easy things, they're not good. And uh, when it comes to marriage and the work that we put into marriage and the work that we put into parenting our children, he says sometimes it's hard, but it's good. And I can't tell you how many times through the years as we've been in the thick of it with you know, 12 kids, there's always something going on and, and uh, you know, we'll be at the end of our rope and Cheryl will stop or I'll stop and we'll look at each other and we'll say, it's hard, but it's good. It's good. And it is good. And it is good. And so I've always been so encouraged. And I know today that you're going to be encouraged as you hear from Titus after the first service. I was walking out, and there was a lady walking outside, and she was, she was noticeably crying. And uh, I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. And uh, I think that you're going to be blessed and encouraged today as we hear from Todd Wilson, the family man. So Todd, if you come up, let's give him a very warm Calvary welcome. I was going to tell you, though, Dan, uh, my daughter over there, Maggie, says we look alike. Do we? And I don't know, I, I don't know, but uh, I, I got my hair cut this week, and I told them, you know, I kind of like a spiky up a little front. That's called a Caesar. Did you know that? I did not. I, it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> you can leave now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, well, it's good being here again. This is my fifth year in a row. This is like Family Man Sunday, and you have worn that shirt every single time. Do you, do you wear a and the pink socks every single time? I think I talked about this last time. Is that it? Is that it? Okay. Okay. Does anybody else wear the same clothes every time I come? Anybody else? You do. Okay. Um, but it's good being here. Um, I'm here with my family. Uh, uh, four of my eight children are with us. Um, my youngest four, my oldest four uh, are at home. We're going to kind of hook back up in a couple of days for some R&R. We're all excited about that. But things have changed since the last time I was here. Um, I think last time I told you I was, gonna, I was going to be a grandparent. Um, that was a little hard for me to say and swallow at the time because it felt like I was old. Um, but now I am a grandparent, and I haven't had a colonoscopy, so I am old, officially. Uh, in fact, uh, I was uh, speaking not too long ago, and they were, uh, I had a sign language interpreter and I, when I said something about colonoscopy, I just happened to look over as they were signing, and I'm like, that's exactly what it looks like. And I mean, it was like, boom, that's it, yeah. So uh, it's, it feels like a downward uh, slope from this point on. But it is an amazing thing uh, to have a 
grandchild right next door, because uh, my son and his wife and, and their daughter, Renly, uh, live right next door, and it's, an, it's just amazing. Um, for those who are grandparents, you know what it's like when they come over, it's like the whole house lights up, um, having a new baby in our house, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, we've been traveling around, we've only been out for a little over a week, um, we're going to get home the 1st of November, um, but uh, we spent the night out in your parking lot again, which we've done that several times now. Uh, I'm almost up, if I have them a couple more times, I will have spent a whole week in your parking lot, uh, which someone told me out there uh, that that would make me an official Florida resident. So <laughs> maybe I can get Disney tickets for free or whatever, uh, a season pass. Um, but it's just good being here. We're excited to be here. Um, and uh, I just want to tell you again what an amazing church you have. Uh, not just an amazing church, but you have an amazing pastor. Uh, I listen to his, your, your messages, not every week, but often, and uh, he's a great Bible teacher. You should count yourself very fortunate to have him because there are, I hear a lot of speakers, I, I, I listen to a lot of teachers, um, and he's not like what you have. But that's not why I like him. I like him because he's a family man. Because he likes, he likes his family better than he likes you. Uh, which is the way it should be. You know, I know some pastors, we're going to talk about one at the end. It's the other way around. And it ends tragically. You know, um, and so I'm just glad to be here. We're going to be talking about some family stuff. Because I know family stuff, again, it, it's a big part of all our lives. You know, it doesn't matter uh, if your kids are old or young. Or even if you don't have kids, it's still... It's still part of our hearts. Um, in fact, uh, you know, if you look through the book of Proverbs, the only thing that will really crush our bones and hurt, crush our hearts, are our relationships with family. You know, and uh, uh, in fact, I've had lots of parents come up to me over the years, you know, with tears streaming down their face and tell me of the hardship of a, a son or daughter who's walked away from God, walked away from them, and has nothing to do with them anymore. And really, that, that makes up our nightmares, doesn't it? Because we want our children to love us, to be close to us, to love God, to walk with Him all the days of their life. In fact, we're going to look at an account, at an account today. Um, I, hate, I don't like to call them stories, Bible stories, because they're not stories. They really, really happened. And uh, it's in your Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 3. And uh, I know because I listened to your uh, pastor do his messages. He does preach, you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're not going to do that today. Uh, in fact, I'm going to say something that he often says. He often says, now write this down. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you to write this down, because this is going to be your homework assignment, because you're going to need to go this week. I'd like you to read 2 Samuel chapter 3 all the way through 18. Okay, I know that's a long chunk, and it's going to uh, you know, it may appear a little boring at times, but we're, the reason we're going to look at it, and we're going to just look at it, kind of just refer to parts in it, is that it is one of the saddest stories in the Bible to me. And it's the story of a young man named Absalom and a, a, and a dad, David, King David, the one you think about. Um, and Absalom, if I ask you, what do you know about him? Well, you all know the same things. What is that? David's son, right? What else? Long hair, right? Long hair. Ended up in a, yeah, you were good. I think you said a sister, right? Tamar, yeah. 
Uh, but you all, we all think of this, this same kind of thing. He's got the long hair, he ends up in a tree, he dies. You know, and that's pretty much his claim to fame. Uh, but but uh, Absalom is a sad story because it's, it's this, this son who, um, who does some bad things and he ends up, you know, hanging from the tree in his, from his hair. And then his father, David, the king, he laments his... It almost sounds like a drama, like a play, because he does this little soliloquy afterwards and, he'll say, and he says at the, the end of chapter 18 first couple verses of 19, he says, Absalom, Absalom, would that I could, I would have traded places, I would have died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, you know. And in fact, um, made the, the story even a little sadder, is that Absalom, sensing his own demise, I think, his downward spiral, he, he builds himself a memorial. Because he wasn't sure about his, if he was going to have descendants. I don't know. He did have some descendants. I don't know if he thought they were going to be killed because he had had such a hard life. But he, was, he wanted to be remembered. And so he builds this monument to himself. I guess people, he thought, you know, people point back and go, oh yeah, Absalom, the big guy with the big hair, you know. And, uh, and apparently that monument has lasted all these years. Now, it has been knocked down and rebuilt probably maybe more than once. But at least if you go to Israel today, there's a monument that's probably about a thousand years old that is called Yad Absalom, or the memorial or hand of Absalom. And it's, 20, it's carved out of solid rock. It's 20 feet by 20. It's 50 feet tall, and it's got kind of a dome on the top. With a, used to have a hand on the top of that. And apparently, if you were a good Jewish family, a good Jewish parent, if you were having some problems with one of your wayward children, teenager, you would take him to this monument. And you would gather a pile of rocks, and then you would, you would have the child or the teenager or 20-year-old or 30-year-old throw rocks at this monument while you lectured him. You know, and you'd go, see, this is what's going to happen. This is going to happen if you keep going the path you're going. You're going to end up hanging from your hair just like Absalom, you know. And, and really, it's, uh, I think that's wrong because, you know, they're, they're thinking it's the story of a, a son who walks away from God and from his family when really, I believe, it's a son, a child who was pushed away by a parent. Because I sometimes think that we can inadvertently do just what David did to his child. That through our actions, we can push our children away. Away from God, away from everything. You know, and it's not, because sometimes I think we get so fearful of that, that we fall victim to all the people who try to sell us a little parenting plan. You know, do these 10 things or keep your children from playing video games or doing these things or, you know, if they'll wear these kind of clothes or not these kind of clothes, then they'll be okay. Or if you can have them do family worship or do these things. And that's not the answer. But what I'm going to share, I believe, is. And I know that's such a bold statement. I don't mean it that way. Uh, but it is. It's, and what I like to call it, I like to call it irresistible parenting. Parenting that our children cannot resist or walk away from. You know, on the opposite kind, we're going to kind of look at the two sides. On the other side of 
irresistible parenting, is what I've termed bug spray parenting. Now, I didn't, I didn't make up that phrase. I didn't coin that phrase. My wife did. And she didn't coin it uh, and use it with her children. She used it with me. Um, because she said to me, you know, Todd, sometimes you say things to me that are like bug spray. They're repelling to me. And I'm like, oh, really? I don't feel like I'd do that. I said, I'm, you know, I always prided myself as being the nicest guy you'd ever meet. And she goes, yeah, but you say these things that are just like bug spray. And I'm like, no, I don't. And she says, yes, you do. And I said, well, how about the next time I do it, you just say bug spray. And then I'll know that I'm doing it. And bless her heart, she did. And uh, so we'd be driving down the road, and I'd, she'd say something. I'm like, oh, yeah, like we'd really do that. And she'd go, bug spray? Ugh. And, you know, as I thought about it, I thought, really, in this account uh, in 2 Samuel, David does a lot of bug spray things. You know, because really what his son needed, the moment he began, and I should say, in chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 3, it says that Absalom was the third son of six, kind of this little chunk, which kind of puts him in as a middle child. Because I think it's interesting, sometimes the middle children, or the ones kind of get lost in the shuffle, they're the ones that are kind of in, the, in danger. You know? Um, I know that, you know, my son Ike, uh, he's 18, he's not, he, he'll be joining us in a couple of days, but he was my son, he was just right in the middle of the fray, he was easy to overlook. I mean, he was the one in my RV, you know, we're, we're getting ready to pull out of the gas station, and I see him running towards it, and I'm like, Arr-coo! He goes, you weren't going to leave me, were you? And I'm like, no! And I'm like, whoo, that would have been bad. He was the one I like, you know, I was trying to really concentrate on letting him know that he wouldn't forgotten. And and, uh, I was putting him to bed one night, and I wanted to just, again, go on and on about how much I love him. And I said, I just, I'm so glad I'm your dad. I just love you so much, Abe. I mean, Ike. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, it was just, that was... And I think Absalom was a good-looking kid. You know, he was the talented one. He was right in the middle, and he just wanted his dad's attention, his parents' attention. And what he needed was his father's unconditional love. Now, unconditional love is irresistible, but unconditional love means what? (laughs) Right, no conditions. That's what I said. Uh, Means no matter what, right? No matter what. Um, you know, my son Sam, he's, uh, and I think I shared with this story maybe four or five years ago, but Sam is my uh, uh, 20-year-old, 22-year-old son. He's my animator son. And, and uh, when he was little, like six, we would play this unconditional love game. And it was always at bedtime. It was like, you know, I'd turn off lights and he'd go, Dad. And I knew it was starting. And I'd say, what, Sam? He'd say, will you love me no matter what? And I'd say, yeah, I'll love you no matter what. And then he'd say, well, will you love me if I don't obey you? And I'd say, well, yeah, I'll love you if you don't obey me. And he'd say, what about if I hurt someone? I'd say, well, even if you hurt someone, I'll still love you. And then he'd say, well, what if I hit him with a brick? And I'm like, well, even if you hit him with a brick, I'll still love you. And then he'd say, well, what if I steal a car? And he's only like six, and I'm five. And then I'm like, well, even if you steal a car, I'll still love you. And then he would think of the worst thing he could possibly think of, and he'd, and he'd try to get serious. And he'd say, Dad, 
what if I kill someone? And then I would get really serious. And I'd say, Samuel, even if you kill someone, I will always, always, always love you because I'm your dad. But don't kill anybody, okay, Sam? And then he'd go, okay, good night, Dad, and he'd go to bed. And so far, he's never killed anybody, so it's worked out real well. But I've met people, in fact, even recently, who said, my son or daughter did kill someone. Am I still supposed to love them unconditionally? And the answer is, yes. That's easy to say when we're playing the unconditional love game when they're little. But as they get older and they make choices that we don't like, that God certainly wouldn't like, we're still supposed to love them unconditionally. You know, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful love. That kind of love is irresistible. You can't resist it. In fact, that's the kind of love where it says in 2, you can write this down, 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says the love of Christ compels us. And it's his unconditional love. But it's not our love for him that holds us, constrains us, holds us tight. What is it? His love for us us that constrains us, compels us, holds us tight, won't let us go. Because it's irresistible. You know? But again, like I said, that gets harder as they get older. In fact, right now... uh, we're kind of, we have a, not an issue, but a thing that my extended family is going through. In fact, when I was newly married, my, my parents adopted a, uh, a, a girl who was in high school. And she came and lived at our house, and I never really lived with her, but she's always been my sister, you know, or at least for a long time. And my, my kids know her as Aunt Teresa. But recently, we heard, you know, that, that she wanted to end her marriage and we met with the, the husband and, the, and, the, and her, and, and it was just layers and layers of hard and stupid and ugly. And, but one thing that the husband did, because he wanted to save the marriage, and, and he'd say, well, you know, your family will disown you if you end this. Because, you know, he knew, she knew, that we put a high priority on staying married. You know, you'll see some t-shirts out there that say hashtag staying married. You know, that's how I'm committed to staying married. And so he used that kind of to manipulate. And when we met with her, I told Teresa, because I knew that was weighing heavy, I said, no matter what, even if you leave him and do something crazier, you'll always be my sister. You will always be in our family. Because that's, what unconditional love does. And that is irresistible. On the other side of that is bug spray loving. What does that look like? Conditional loving, right? Which says what? I'll love you as long as you do this. Honestly, I'm pretty good at that kind of love, you know? Um, And I like that with my kids. You know, it's easy to reward the ones who are lovable, right? I mean, I have kids that are easy, and Maggie's one of those easy kids. She's over there. You know, if I said to you know, her, I said, hey, Maggie, would you crawl across this broken glass and eat gar- or pick up the garbage with your teeth? She'd go, okay. You know, she's pretty easygoing. Others that if I'd say, hey, here's a bag of money. If you, want, if you take it, you can have it. They'd go, oh, I've got to do everything, you know. <laughs> and some kids are easy to pull towards you, and other kids, 
we hold at arm's distance. I mean, at one point in this story, Absalom, he wants, he's kind of been banished from the kingdom. He wants to return, and he says to his father, please let me return. And the father says to a servant, yes, he may come back, but I do not want to see his face. Do you know what that is? Bug spray. And the rest of the story continues, and it gets uglier. Sometimes we do that to our children. We keep track of the mistakes they've made. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And we say, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, like you've made a change. You've said that one before. And we keep them at arm's distance. And it's bug spray. Our children need unconditional love. Not only do they need unconditional love, they need something else that I've never heard anybody speak on except me. And that's unconditional like, which is totally different. In fact, my daughter Catherine, she, she's out there, um, she's 20 years old, she taught me, introduced me to unconditional like. We had spent the day, uh, when the kids were little, up at the Indiana Dunes on Lake Michigan. You know, we don't have a real beach, so we have a fake beach. Uh, so, by the way, when we prayed for your hurricane stuff, uh, we were so thankful that, that it wasn't as bad as it could be. Uh, but if you live where I live, you don't have to worry about hurricanes, you know, because you don't have to worry about beach. You don't have any, there's some perks on both sides, I guess. Um, but, so we spent the day at in, the Indiana Dunes, and we were sunburned, we were hot, we, were, we had sand in every crevice. And on the way home, we stopped at an Amish buffet. Um, you don't have very many Amish people around here. You should get some. Uh, they're a lot of fun to have around. And uh, so we stopped at this Amish buffet, and, and it was, as we were feeding all our little kids, and you know, buffets are hard when you have little kids. And finally, I'm getting ready to take my first spoonful of food, and, and Catherine goes, Daddy, I've got to go to the bathroom. And a little mushroom cloud goes off in my head like, Boom, of course you do. You know, and I went by and I grabbed her little hand and shoop, right out of her seat. And we're marching off to the bathroom and I'm mad and because and, I wanted to eat. Why didn't you think about this earlier? And we get to the bathroom and I pull down the little swimming suit and I plop her up on the stool and I'm like, come on, Catherine, hurry up. <laughs> and then I stand there waiting. And then she looks up at me and in the sweetest voice I've ever heard, like an angel's voice. I can hear it in my head right now. And she's got this little bobbed hair, and she goes, Daddy, do you like me? And it was like, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, Catherine, I love you. Now, I must tell my kids at least a half a dozen times a day that I love them. But it was like she was saying, yeah, Dad, I know you love me. You know, it's a law. Dads have to love their kids. Um, but do you like me when I go to the bathroom at the most inconvenient times? Do you like me when I change my clothes three times a day for no apparent reason? Do you like me when I borrow the car and I don't bring it back on, you know, full, or I don't bring it back at all, you know? <laughs> I know you love me, but do you like me? Do you know how you show your children that you like them? It doesn't matter how old your kids are. They could be, you know, three, they can be 55 or 75. Uh, here's how you show your kids you like them. It's super simple. Just look at my face. Ready? See this? It's called a smile. How often do you smile at your children? Because that, when you smile at your children, 
it's irresistible. It's irresistible. But some of us don't smile. In fact, my wife said, she goes, Todd, you don't, you don't seem to be smiling very much at all. In fact, you do that lip thing. And I'm like, what lip thing? She goes, you know, you grab, your, uh, you grab the inside of your cheek with your lip when you're annoyed. And I'm like, I don't do that. She goes, yeah, you do, you do it all the time. I'm like, honey, I don't do that. I would know if I did it. She goes, you do it. And I'm like, I don't. And that night I'm laying in bed, uh, you know, kind of looking at the dark uh, ceiling. And I thought, I wonder what that lip thing feels like. So I went like this, and I thought, it does feel familiar. <laughs> and the next morning, I found myself doing it all the time. I would be doing something important, like on my computer, typing something up. And one of my kids would say, hey, Dad, could you do this for me? And I'm like, right now? And they'd say, oh, never mind, Dad. And I'm like, good. You know, or I'd be running down, and Dad. And I found myself doing it all the time. And you know what that little lip thing does? It lets them know that at that moment, I do not like them. Now, you may not do that lip thing. Maybe you do something else. Maybe you just kind of grit your teeth. Maybe you run your hand through your hair, or maybe you do this. (sighs) What is it now? And you make that child feel like they're not very liked. And what does that feel like? Say it with me. Bug spray. And it pushes them away. You know, again, I'm not saying that some of your children are not walking with God or not not liking you very much. I'm not saying that it was because of something you did. It might be. But I am saying your love, unconditional love, unconditional like, is the way home. It's the way home because it's still irresistible. You know, in fact, I think this has something to do with the blessing. You know, all our children want to be blessed. They want to be blessed by us. It was important to Jesus. It was important to a lot of people back then. You know, um, uh, in fact, uh, about, I don't know how many years ago, 20, 25 years ago, there was a book that said, you know, we're supposed to bless our children. And I read the book, and I read other things about it, and it always sounded so complicated. Like somehow I had to have, you know, do something in Latin or I had to have it in a big long list and, or something with a sword. And, and it just felt too complicated. And then one day, one evening, I was watching a video with my children, uh, Meet the Robinsons. It's a Disney video. And uh, uh, it was about this little boy, Lewis, who's going into the future. He's looking for his family and he meets this wacky Robinson family. And at one point, Lewis makes a mistake, and he kind of apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. And Grandpa Robinson, the wackiest of them all, he wears his clothes backwards, and he has that little Grandpa squeaky voice. And he says, you know, Lewis, you're a real special kid. And I got that chill down my spine. And I thought, that's it. That's the blessing. You know, I think if Jesus had been on earth at this period of time, you know, maybe when he came out of the water, his father would have said, this is my son. He's a real special kid. You know, that's what your children want to hear from you. It doesn't matter, again, how old they are. Your kids may have kids of their own. They still want to hear, you know, I am so glad I'm your dad. I, you make being a mother a privilege. I'm so glad we're in the same family. Dan, your pastor, do you read his Facebook posts? He always posts the same thing. Glad to be the dad of this family. That feels 
That's irresistible. How can you walk away from that? But you know what we do, often do it instead? We do the cursing. Now, we don't curse our children and go, may you be doomed to wander the earth, you and your seed after you. We don't do that. <laughs> We'd be pretty intense if you did that. Uh, but we do the other kind. We do this one. Why do you have to make everything so hard? This would be a lot of fun if you didn't ruin it. We saved all this money, and you don't even care or appreciate my efforts. I can't believe you make this bad choice time after time after time. Can't you just pick the right thing once? What does that sound like? And we do it all the time. And we wonder why our children may walk away from us and from God. You know, your children just want to, they want you to just wave and smile. Really? They just want you to wave and smile. You know, I mean, uh, I remember one time we were at the, the Mall of America up in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And my kids, my, my youngest, Cal and Jed, they were on this little ride that was no bigger than this room. It was a little train that went around a track. And they went around, and they came around the corner, and as they came around the corner for the first time, they just waved and they smiled at me. And I waved and smiled back. They went around and came around again, and they did it again, as though they just forgot that I was there. You know? And so I waved and smiled. It seemed natural. Every single time they went around, I did the same thing. And then my, my, my middle-sized kids, they were on the scrambler, and it was, you know, every time they went by me, they were like, Dad! And I'm like, Yeah! You know, and wave at me each time. And, and even Maggie... Uh, she was on this Ferris wheel all by herself. It was huge. But I could only see her up about 10 o'clock. And when she got up there, she'd wave out. Every single time I waved at her, and she waved at me. And then my big kids, they were on a, like a roller coaster that went straight up and then straight down. And it went up to the top, and they got to the top, and they went, yeah! And I went, yeah! And then Ike, my daredevil kid, he was on this high ropes course. And you start low, and you put a tether on, and you go up across wobbly wood and wires, and you get higher and higher and higher until you're five stories off the ground. And the very last thing you do is a, like a little walk the plank, and he's holding onto his thing, scooting out there till his toes are hanging over the edge. And then he lets go of his tether, and he just has his hands out like this. And he's looking around, and I'm watching him, thinking, what is he looking for? And then I notice, because we lock eyes, and he was looking for me. And I'm like, way to go, Ike! And he just basked in my pleasure. I'll tell you, parents, that's what your children want from you. They just want to bask in your pleasure with the smiles, with the unconditional love, all that, because that is irresistible. Irresistible. Not only do they need you know, your unconditional love and your unconditional like, they need your touch, your physical touch. Boys or girls more? It's a, both, right. It's a, it was a trick question. Uh, girls, you know, girls, of course. You know, we're so afraid that our young girls will walk away and give their purity to someone else. And so we kind of freak out. And we, we you know, we, we get books and we read them books. You know, we, we get the princess kiss or whatever and we start reading to them at three. You know, just start, start to lay the groundwork. And, you know, and... And then we get impurity rings, which are fine. And then we get impurity earrings, impurity necklaces, impurity bracelets, until we've weighed them down with like 50 pounds of purity jewelry. You know, so they know the weight of their choices. But here's the deal. Fathers, I'm going to put some burden on you. 
Dads, if you're not meeting those physical needs by touching, you're putting them in a very vulnerable position. Because it's bug spray when you push them away. You know, in fact, Catherine, she was my toucher. Uh, when she was little, she would just sit, she'd say, Daddy, can I sit on your lap and pet your hair? And oh man, it felt so good. And she would just stroke my hair, you know. And then, you know, she, as she got older, she became less like a little girl, more like a woman. Nothing personal, ladies. But, you know, all this emotion would come out of nowhere. And I'd say, good morning, Catherine. And she'd say, you're yelling at me. And I'm like, no, I just said good morning. And she goes, you're always yelling at me. And I'm like, no, Catherine, I just said good morning. She goes, you're doing it now. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Quit it, you know. And I noticed that she was pulling away from me. I'd put my hand on her shoulder, and she'd kind of go like this, slough it off. And I thought, what have I done? I put my daughter in a very vulnerable position for the first nice guy who walks around, walks by and has beer cans through his earlobes, you know, <laughs> to sweep her off her feet. And I thought, I can win her back. I need to win her back, you know, because I've been bug spraying her by my harshness. And so the next time I was walking down a room, down in the hallway, and I heard her crying. And I said, Catherine, why are you crying? She goes, oh, some girls at church, they said some things. And I can remember go sitting, sitting on the edge of her bed. And I said, oh, they didn't mean that. And I stroked her back, and she talked, and I listened. I stroked, and I listened. And after a few minutes, my other hand was sitting on my lap. And she reaches across, and she brings my hand to her mouth, and she, she kisses it. And in typical dad fashion, I thought, ker-ching, you know, <laughs> I got it, you know, because that kind of love is irresistible. It doesn't just work on little girls. Dads, it works on grown-up married daughters, because I've had parents, you know, sitting in the back, you know, tears streaming down their face, old guys, and they'll say, you know, Todd, I've ruined it. I've ruined my daughter. My daughter won't have anything to do with me. I, you know, I can't get her. And I'm like, I'm never nice to them. I'm like, well, suck it up. You still got the power. You can do it. I mean, I, 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 one of the most powerful stories I was ever told was by a dad who said uh, that his wife had suffered several miscarriages in a row. And little side note, miscarriages are huge things in the lives of our wives' husbands. Um, and he said, you know, she was in this downward spiral. And I, I tried everything. He said, I tried, you know, praying. I tried fasting. I tried we counseling. Nothing helped. He said, I was afraid she was going to die. I honestly thought she would die. And he goes, last-ditch effort, I call up her dad, who's not an emotional guy, was not a physical a toucher, you know. And I said, I call him up and say, hey, I'd like to have you over to my house for dinner a couple of nights from now, and I'd like you to do something. I'd like you to put your arms around your daughter when I give you the signal, and you tell her everything's going to be okay. And the dad's like, well, okay. And uh, a couple nights later, you know, the dad's over for dinner, and the wife's like, why is my dad here? And, she, and the husband's like, I just thought it'd be great if he came over for dinner. And uh, we're always scheming, ladies. And, uh, and at one point when they're finished, the husband looks over at the father-in-law, and he gives him the nod, like, it is time. And the husband tells me, he goes, my father-in-law stands up and he walks towards his daughter like Frankenstein. His <laughs> arms are out like this. 
he goes over to his daughter. He puts his arms around his daughter, and his, his daughter stiffens up, you know, like, what are you doing? Don't do that. And the father didn't release. And he said, it's going to be okay, honey. And the man said, my wife melted like butter in her father's arms. And that downward spiral stopped right there. And she came out of it. Do you know why she came out of it? Because it's irresistible. That your touch is irresistible. Daughters can't walk away from dads who lovingly touch them. You know, but if we don't, fathers, I talk to dads who say, I don't like to touch my kids. You're putting him in a very vulnerable position. Not just girls, but also boys. Because boys need their touch too, right? And I'll tell you, sometimes when you're holding hands, you know, I'm holding hands with a 17-year-old son down the, you know, the, the mall or down the airport. You know, I'm red-blooded American. I'm not from Europe. Uh, but you know what I never do? I never let go, ever. I mean, I heard a, a guy on the radio, and I, I'm going to be careful with my language, um, um, but I know what your pastor teaches, and I know what you believe, because it's what God teaches. And this guy, he, he was just a, an, an alternative lifestyle. And, and he was just telling his story. I wouldn't, he wasn't making any points. He was just talking. And he said, yeah, growing up, I wasn't a very masculine boy. He said, in fact, I was effeminate. And he said, that scared my dad to death. And so my dad never touched me because he was afraid if he did, it would push me the wrong way. Now, he didn't make any conclusions. But you know what my conclusions are? The lack of a father's touch pushed him the wrong way. Now, I'm not, some of you might find yourself in a similar situation. I'm telling you, dads, moms, your touch is the way home. It's the way home. So your children need your unconditional love. They need your uh, unconditional like. They need your touch. They, lastly, you know, and there are probably other things too, and you're going to find some of those things in this account. They need to feel like number one in your life. Your children just want to be number one in your life. In fact, if, you are, if they are not number one, they will hate everything in, in front of it. So if you make your work your life, they will hate your work. If you make, not God, because they want you to love God, but if you make your busyness in your ministry or your church, they will hate God. They get them confused. You know how many pastors I've, I've uh, met whose children hate what they do and hate God? Lots. Your pastor's kids won't, because he loves them. More than, again, more than he does you. <laughs> In fact, I remember one time I was at uh, a guy I graduated from seminary with. He, went, he got a church before I did, and I was asking him about it. He was a youth pastor. And just a couple weeks after, he said, oh yeah, things have gone good, except that he said the very first Sunday was really weird. He said, you know, it was after the service, and I was standing out in the line, and everybody was shaking my hands. Welcome, Pastor. Welcome, Pastor. Glad you're here. He goes, the junior high, I mean, the, the senior pastor's junior high daughter was in the line. She came up to me. She grabbed my hand, and all she said was this, your children are going to hate you. And then she went on. You know why she said that? 
because she had been, spent a lifetime of being bug sprayed, of feeling not like number one. There were always a hundred reasons why he couldn't attend to her needs. I'm sure it ended out bad. You know? So your children just want to be number one in your life. They want to be loved unconditionally. And again, just like God loves us, while we were yet sinners. You know? Well, we're out of time. I'm going to pray for you. Um, let me just say that uh, we have a, a ministry and we have a table out there. Um, I've told you about my books in the past, so I'm not going to tell you a lot about them. Uh, dads, we've got a book out there, though, called Dad Power uh, that, that talks about some things that your kids need from you. you know? And also, uh, we've got uh, that You to Dad daily calendar that we brought every year with us. Um, and it's brand new for 2018. If you're looking for a great uh, gift for your husband or you know, grandchildren, grandchildren or dads, uh, or yourself. We've got a bunch of them out there. We'd love you to uh, pick some up. Um, we've got some other stuff out there to encourage you in your parenting, in your marriage, um, because it is hard. But like Dan reminded us again, it sure is good. It sure is good. Um, can I pray with you? And then I'm going to let you go. Father, we just thank you for this time we've had to talk and to laugh. And uh, Father, I just uh, pray for every parent out here. I know there are some parents whose hearts are breaking because their children... Uh, have walked away. Maybe they feel like they've pushed them away because, Father, I do it. I pray that you would help it to change now and that like the prodigal son's father, um, he was waiting and his love was the way home. I pray that uh, you would help us to love unconditionally no matter what and that you would help us to smile. Forgive us when we don't. And uh, would you let us hear that sound of bug spray when we do it? We pray all this in your name. Keep us safe. Um, bring us back together again. And Father, would you allow me maybe to, to be here again in a year? And we uh, thank you for this time. And all the parents and all everybody else said, amen, amen. amen.